about the time when Kirk should be conceived, do you think that that area is going to be overrun with people trying to have sex on the pool table there? I I have no doubt that's the case. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to have to sell tickets. (laughs) Welcome to Damn It Jim, the podcast. My name is Dana Smith, and uh, sitting across from me, a thousand, two thousand miles away in uh, Washington State, is Dan Calzaretta. Good evening, Dan. Hey, Dana. How are you doing tonight? Good. Cold. Getting tired of this cold. And it's only February. I wish we could shake that groundhog into, you know, seeing what he's supposed to see so we get spring earlier. So When you said shake the groundhog, I thought I was going <laughs> somewhere else with that. <laughs> yeah. So tonight is part of our end of season one salute. Uh, we have a special interview. Dan, we've got uh, Steve Miller from Riverside, Iowa who's famous, I believe famous is the correct word for that, uh, famous for helping Riverside, Iowa become known as the future birthplace of James T. Kirk. Yeah, fascinating story, Dana. Uh, Riverside is a tiny town in eastern Iowa, maybe 1,500 people, and it has become like a destination for people who are really into Star Trek, especially the original series. Yeah, and because of this monument that they've created to the future birthplace of uh, Captain Kirk, they now have Trek Fest. They used to do River Fest, and they replaced it with Trek Fest, and now their website says, where the Trek begins. And it used to say where the best begins. They crossed out best and put in Trek. A lot of people know about this and come to Riverside every year just to see Trek Fest. Yeah. Now I've actually been there twice and it's been probably 20 years. So it's grown a lot uh, in that 20 years. And Steve will talk a little bit about that and, and how the whole idea got started. But it really is fun. You know, It's one of these kind of roadside America places that are cool to go to, even if you're not into Star Trek, but especially if you're into Star Trek. So Riverside, Iowa has gotten some minor fame uh, along with Trek Fest. They've been uh, named in a movie where uh, we meet Chris Pine in the reboot as he is playing James T. Kirk, and he uh, goes by the Riverside Shipyard. That's lent some notoriety to uh, the town. And I'm hoping that Steve Miller can maybe put us in touch with J.J. Abrams. I think he's probably got his phone number, don't you think? Well, we learned from this that he was uh, became fast friends with William Shatner, and he's uh, spent time with other Star Trek actors. So I would think that J.J. Abrams is probably on a speed dial. I I hope so. So Steve, when you're listening to this first, I hope that you liked the interview. We sure had a great (laughs) time, but give JJ a call and put him in touch with us. We'd love to speak with him. Yeah. Or even email him. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're not on a phone call status with him, then just email him, drop him a line, tell him uh, and send him our podcast. I'm sure that he will become a fast friend of ours. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's the case. (laughs) I just don't want JJ to listen to any of the podcasts before he calls us. (laughs) (laughs) We're always nice about him. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the interview is quite fascinating and, He starts off the interview talking about a book, doesn't he, Dana? Yeah, he was talking about the making of Star Trek that he was reading back in the day and uh, was quite fascinated about it. And he saw that Kirk comes from Iowa, from a small town in Iowa. They don't name a town. 
Just it's a small town in Iowa. Yeah. So how about if we pick up that story? It's 1985. Steve Miller picks up this book and let's let him tell the rest of the story. Yeah, I picked it up and read it. I had been a Star Trek fan uh, from the very beginning on that and was stunned when I read that Captain Kirk, it says he appears to be about 34 years old and was born in a small town in, in the state of Iowa. And that intrigued me being from Iowa and I set out to try to find out why eventually. I finally came up with something from Jean's wife right before she died. And I said, why Iowa? And she said, well, that's that at the time in the 60s when they were coming to their maturity and working in the industry, that someone said they were from Iowa, you assume two things. One, they had a pretty good education, and two, they knew how to work. I think those are the principal things that would have become the reason that that uh, Mr. Roddenberry decided that Captain Kirk would be from Iowa. I thought that's kind of nice. In the story I read, it said that you were on the city council. Do you propose that they change Riverfest to Trekfest? The mayor had, had asked us to come up with a way to promote the community. And so we were talking about that. The city council, we sat around an old dining room table on old kitchen chairs in the back of what used to be a hardware store. And so the, the seating and the lack of heat made it for an evening that you tried to get through with as much business as you could as quickly as possible before both legs went asleep. I had come up with the idea that we should declare ourselves the future birthplace of Captain Kirk. And once I did that, then we asked the community club, and the community club got very involved in this. They were tickled to death to change what had become Riverfest, the summer celebration, to Trekfest. And so that summer of 1985 was our first Trekfest. Did you get any pushback when you said, you know, we want to be the birthplace of James T. Kirk? People were like, okay, stop drinking whatever you're drinking. You'd be stunned at how accurate you are. Uh, (laughs) There was no problem at the meeting. There were only four of us present. There was a very conservative member of the board who wasn't wasn't there that night and is Part of the reason that I decided that would be a good time to do this. But in any case, the next day, I had a friend who worked for the Cedar Rapids Gazette, the second largest newspaper in Iowa. And I called him up and I said, I don't want to impose on our friendship, but if you think this is newsworthy, you run an article. And I told him what we'd done. Uh, the next day, he ran a page one article on Riverside becoming the future birthplace of Captain Kirk. The problem was this all happened at a city council meeting that nobody attended. And nobody in town knew a thing about it. We hadn't, you know, I had just come up with the idea and kind of kept it secret. The mayor knew I was going to do this. The other councilman didn't. And so people in the community are just caught completely off guard. And this is, you know, kind of a little faco idea in small town Iowa. The toughest thing I ever had to do was after we got into this was go down to the congregate meal program and talk to people who are now my age, their 70s and 80s and tell them that a fictional character from a television show they never paid any attention to is going to be born here in another 235 years. You know, that was was a tough sell. The people in town didn't jump to joy that this happened to them, but eventually they started hearing from all the newspapers and all of the television stations. There was a lady there whose daughter had immigrated to New Zealand. She heard it on her local television station in New Zealand. We had people whose children were backpacking through Europe. They heard it on Radio Free Europe, and people started hearing from relatives around the country who had picked up on it. Every newspaper station in Iowa and a few in Illinois came, and they did a bit about Riverside. And one of the things they had in common was they'd all stand by the Riverside City sign out at the edge of town and then beam up, and they'd all disappear into the into the, into the the nether. But there were people who were upset about this. I got hate mail. Not only did I get hate mail, I got certified mail from Paramount Studios suggesting that I could be sued into poverty for this because we were stealing 
stealing something from them. They had people who were paying them money to use Star Trek for promotional purposes, and we weren't in that boat. When I, I tried to call Mr. Roddenberry numerous times when I came up with this, and his secretary knew my voice before I said my name, and I was shut out from there for the local paper, got a hold of him shortly after we came up with this, and he said, uh, it's a very enterprising idea. And as far as I'm concerned, the first volunteer has it. And so I, I stuck, I, I wrote that down, kept that clipping. And when Paramount was giving me grief, I would go back and say, well, Mr. Roddenberry said it was okay. I thought that was very kind of him since I could never get to him, but somebody else did. Paramount, after several years of going back and forth, they lightened up. They said they'd never say we were the actual future birthplace, which they eventually did do. But, you know, they they wouldn't do anything to stop us either. One Trek Fest, third or fourth one, we had people who come dressed in Star Trek outfits. And one guy from, I think, a Starbase 17, it was a group from Des Moines, who looked a lot like Spock. He also had a dog that had the same ears as Spock. So he's walking the parade with his, with, his, with his Spock uniform on, leading his dog, who also looks like Spock. So I had a friend in Los Angeles who called and said, did you, uh, did you know you made the second page two of the Los Angeles Times? They showed that guy dressed as Spock with the dog. So it's just hilarious. That afternoon or the next day, I don't remember which, the lawyer from Paramount is calling me. We have this arranged to talk about what they're going to allow us to do. She said, well, you know, it starts going on. I said, did you happen to see yesterday's Los Angeles Times? He said, yeah, I got it right here on my desk. I said, turn to page two. And she opened it up and immediately starts laughing. And I know right then, okay, she sees the picture. She knows what I'm talking about. I said, you know, you got to realize we're, we're giving you guys millions of dollars of free advertising, and we're not asking for anything in return. And she goes, I'll talk to the people. Don't worry about this. This, this is all over. So that, that I felt very good about that. Just one, one photo solved a big problem that I was concerned about. Did you continue to get feedback from people in Riverside? It, it, was, a, it was a slow process of some of it changing. One of my friends owned a business, and I've talked to him downtown at the tavern one night and he said well proud of yourself you made us the laughing stock of the state of iowa in this part of the country i said well I don't, I don't see it that way but you know i'll let it go within a year he has a float in trek fest parade he's dressed up as captain kirk and giving you know the vulcan salute all the way up and down the up and down the parade and i walked up to the float and i said aren't you embarrassed uh no he wasn't embarrassed because he as a businessman started seeing the realization that People were coming to Riverside for the sole purpose of seeing Captain Kirk's future birthplace. And it became a, a tourist attraction. How quickly did it get big? The Internet, mind you, now in the early 80s when it comes, is in its infancy. And there are people now who are, who are Star Trek fans who are actually connecting with each other. On the so those people, they would have their little personal conventions every year in Riverside for Trek Fest. And it grew over time. My wife kept giving me grief about this, and she'll she'll not deny that. She was giving me kind of grief about this when this first thing all started. And then the BBC called from London to interview the mayor. Maybe this is a little bigger deal than we thought. Uh, the mayor had to take a week's vacation right after I came up with this to be at City Hall. He worked for a living, mind you. He had to take a week's vacation just to answer all the phone calls that were coming in. So it it, it grew, and, and the mystery of the whole thing is, you know, that Star Trek endured beyond what you would you could imagine, I think, at the time, because it, it was, of course, rerun through the 70s and, and the 80s, and it's still rerun, I mean, constantly rerun, but it's amazing to me, with, like, the 50th anniversary of the program, we had two gentlemen that came down from Toronto, Canada, to spend the the weekend in Riverside to watch the first episode of Star Trek when the BBC ran it 50 years to the day and hour 
that the original show ran. They wanted to be in Riverside to see that. And there were other people who had done virtually the same thing. It never occurred to me how, how seriously some people take this and how they get into it. Did you have any clue when you started this that it would turn out the way it did? Not in my wildest imagination. I'm 74 years old now. I was in my 30s when I came up with this. That's not something I would have ever envisioned, no. When I I worked for the post office for a number of years, and I went to training in Potomac, Maryland a number of times, was able to go in to Washington, D.C., to um, the museum. They had a Star Trek exhibition there, and they had the original set from Star Trek. And so I got a ticket, I got in line, and I got talking to one of the curators, people there at the museum. And he said, and he said, I know who you are. And he moved me to the head of the line. I didn't know anybody knew who I was. (laughs) So he moved me to the head of the line. And, you know, I sat there in Captain Kirk's chair at the Smithsonian. I thought, that's pretty cool. I enjoyed that a lot, but I never realized that people would, would think of this so far down the road. And it's done so much for the community. It's not anything I ever anticipated ever, ever reaching what it has. When you think of the impact, not just like the economic impact, but has there been like a cultural impact on the town? Has, has the town like truly embraced it at this point? Yes, they, they pretty much fully have. Current mayor is the grandson of the gentleman who was mayor when I came up with this idea. They heartily embrace it. When I came up with the idea, I said we needed to change our logo. I said, where the best began. I said, we need to X out best and put Trek above it. So they've done that. And all the stationery and all of the like the envelopes and stuff all show the Starship Enterprise coming up across the back of that where the best begins. Years after this, I was attending a municipality organization of some court, and I talked to a couple people from other small towns in Iowa, and one of them said, you know, that should have been me. He knew that. He said, I just didn't have the guts to do it. That thought crossed my mind that we should make our town the future birthplace of Captain Kirk. He said, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find myself fortitude to do that. I thought, well, you thank me for having that. that is it turn? I really consider it more dumb luck than anything. But in any, any case, yeah, I could see why he would ha- you'd have some hesitation after as much grief as I took to begin with. I thought later, what have I done? You know, my kids are going to kill me. My daughters were in high school. My daughter uh, Janet, they, used, they started calling her Trek. She didn't like that. You said you're a Trek fan, so I was curious. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, Star Trek episode? You know, that's a good question because I probably years ago, I'm sure I did. I had uh, watched it all. But, when it was originally on, when I was a college freshman, it was its second season, and we had a TV room in our dormitory. Nobody had TVs, I mean, but they had a TV room. To get down there to watch Star Trek on Friday night, you had to get there an hour early to get a seat. There was about 85, 90 seats in the room, but there would be standing room only within about 20 minutes of when Star Trek started because people got down there early. Uh, And this was a Friday night in a college town, but everybody got down early to watch Star Trek. Phenomenon I never I never forgot. One of the things we do, they've done at Trek Fest, though, is have uh, members of the cast have been there. And so they've had uh, Walter Koenig's been there, George Takei, and then Michelle Nichols. And they were all there for the 25th anniversary. And we had a wonderful time with them. We did a question and answer thing at 500 people there. I had met Walter and George before I hadn't met Michelle. And so we got to have supper together and talk to them. And George is a fascinating guy. And, and, and this was Walter. Walter's been there so many times, you can take a homestead exemption. You know, they get him there quite <laughs> But uh, George, George was hadn't been there but once. And Michelle, so we sat down to eat, but Michelle did something that I'll never forget. We were sitting there, she's sitting across from me and talking about Shatner. And as you're probably all aware, not everybody on the cat crew thought that William Shatner walked on water other than himself. 
somebody mentions Bill Shatner's name and Michelle makes the sign of the cross. And I looked at her and she said, and I'm not Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk to Walter Koenig about William Shatner, it's a short conversation. Of them, he he's the one I think liked him the least. Uh, and George Sakai, he's significantly more articulate about his disdain. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But he's a fun, George is a fun guy. Bill came there in 2004 and did a movie, Invasion Iowa, and it was kind of hokey and it was poorly edited, I thought. But they left us with 100000 bucks, so we were kind of happy about that. They tried to express Hollywood in its grandiose terms and look like buffoons, which they were good at. The town just kind of, you know, Iowa nice. Finally, we all kind of figured out, yeah, this ain't a move. They're just spoofing us. But Shatner had come up with the place, the idea to do it at Riverside because he'd heard about future birthplace of Captain Kirk. When people came to him with a kind of a different idea for a program, he said, no, I want to do it. I want to do this. We want to do a fake movie. And I want to go to Riverside, Iowa. And he came. When they got done, everybody by now knows that it's a, a hoax. We were all upset it might make the town look bad and people look bad and us look like a bunch of bumpkins. At the end of the program, at the end of the day, he's there meeting with the press. And so we go up, a whole bunch of us are there. So I went up and talked to him and, and we had a picture of him and I taken together out in front of Murphy's Tavern. I autographed my copy and gave it to him. He didn't get it. But anyway... <laughs> I gave him my, uh, he autographed one for me too, but anyway, but I, I gave him three letters that his mother had written. And when I came up with this, I wanted to get a statue of Captain Kirk, which we now have in the park. And she was so thrilled to think of a statue of her son. But I gave Bill Shatner the copies of these letters and he's standing there and he's, his mouth just goes agape. And he says, my, my, my mother, my mother wrote these letters. She knew about this place. She knew about this. I said yes. And so we talked for a little bit. He said, "You realize she died about three months after this last letter was written." Which is really sad. He says, "I was meant to come here. I was supposed to come here so I could see that my mother actually knew about this place." And I told the guy who was doing the movie, "I gave you a much better end of that movie than you guys ever wrote." That was a fun thing. But for that a week, maybe ten days, Bill Shatner and all the members of the cast were roaming around Riverside. They go down to the tavern at night eat food with anybody who'd come along and talk to them. They were there and showed the films they'd done that day and talk about different things. And every year in Riverside, they have a birthday party for William Shatner. And we call him and leave a message on his answering machine because he never answered. Uh, but we call him and everybody sings happy birthday to him. It was a, a, a fun experience to actually be around Bill Shatner and the others. You'd mentioned the statue of uh, Captain Kirk. I was I was thinking that with uh, all you've done for Riverside, are they going to erect a statue of you? I don't think that's even even in anybody's uh, wildest imagination. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've got to be kind of a legend there, I would think. I don't think I'm much of a persona down there. It's just I, I like the fact that there were a number of years I never got any recognition for being the guy who came up with the idea. And now they make sure that, uh, that at least I get mentioned. But one of the things they have done is every time there's a new street, there has a Star Trek thing. There's, I think, Enterprise Drive. And they're making sure that they keep emphasizing the Star Trek history, I guess, that's part of the part of the community the guy that owned the tavern murphy's after the filming was all done and all the all the cast all the crew all the cameramen stuff would go down there and so the last night they had a, a reveal and everybody was there then everybody went to murphy's and we, we were all talking and producers and the people involved with the production were all apologetic as they could be because they were conning everybody and, and it was nice talking and i had given bill shatner a cigar that day because i know he smoked cigars and i smoked cigars so we'd had a few puffs together earlier the scene was just nice in this small 
a restaurant bar and a whole whole bunch of people, all of them from all over the country. We had a great time. Within about a month, I'm back there and underneath the pool table at the back is this little plaque on the floor. And I thought, I didn't see that there. What, what is that? And I said, oh, look at it. And he says, on this site, June whatever, 2,228, Captain Kurt will be conceived. <laughs> okay, well, it's about two blocks from the birthplace. I suppose, yeah, there's something going on. Anyway, he thought as long as he had everybody had been there, that you know, he, he got to be part of the whole ordeal. So the conception, the conception of Captain Kurt will take place in whatever will be there in 200 years. That actually leads me into my next question. Think ahead to that actual future birthday. Describe what you think that day is going to be like. We're back again to me describing an event that's never going to transpire. You know, if you watch the movie with Christopher Pine, they mention Riverside and they show him at the, and they, and Riverside dock there. I mean, they, they, the whole part of their complex is, is there for launching spacecraft and stuff. We were just tickled to death with that. I'll give that image. Now, the fight scene, we, we figured that took place in Murphy's. And then there's his, him riding this motorcycle along what appeared to be the Grand Canyon, which we pretty sure wasn't anywhere near Riverside. But, you know, erosion can happen. So we're, we're a little... A little far fetched there, and as and as as they said, you know, this isn't your this isn't your grandparents' Star Trek. One of the things I always like to talk about was in the early days before the sh- well, the show was out of production, but I think it was being rerun a lot of places when um, Richard Nixon was president. He asked all the people to write to their local station, television station, complaining about the way the Nixon administration was being portrayed on television. So people sent in letters. So NBC got the most letters of anybody. They got 750,000 letters. And so they interviewed the president of NBC and they said, are you going to change the way that uh, you uh, record the administration and the way that you deal with the Nixon administration? The president said, no, no, we're not going to change the thing. He said, but you got 750,000 letters. And the guy said, yeah, but you got to figure that's only half as many as we got when we canceled Star Trek. Now that puts it in perspective. But Nixon gets 750,000 letters to NBC, but NBC gets a million and a half when we canceled Star Trek. The ingraining of Star Trek into society, into American life culture, it just continues on and on culturally. That's not something that I think anybody could have ever predicted. And I certainly never thought about when I came up with the idea of it being the future birthplace. You're a great interview, by the way. You're really easy to talk to and really I've been enjoying this. I've enjoyed your brilliant repertoire of questions. <laughs> we got that recorded, Dan. Yeah, right? we can, we're gonna we're gonna play that every week. <laughs> so, if you were on the Starship Enterprise, what position would you hold? You should have hit me with that first and said, "Answer this in an hour." So you know, <laughs> I was in the army, by the way, so I I have some experience working around other people who don't necessarily want to be in the same place you do. I, I would never see myself in any place but underneath someone uh, in terms of like the science officer be secondary to Mr. Spock or communications officer underneath someone secondary to Uhura. Someone you just I always like the nuts and bolts people, the people who, you know, actually get down and turn the nuts and bolts and the screws and keep the place together as opposed to the people who are basically in charge of the people who are doing the work. That's uh, where I would feel more comfortable. They, uh, one of the peons that no, nobody notices as they walk by in their uniform. Well, I just have one last question. I, maybe this one will be harder to answer. I, I don't know. But you've been interviewed probably countless times by people from all over the world. What is a question you always wished someone would have asked you about this experience, but no one has? Did you make any money on this? 
<laughs> no, I never made a penny. It cost me a lot of money, as a matter of fact. When when Shatner came to town with that movie, they had picked several people to be in the movie. He cast, told me later, they were told to stay away from me because they thought I was a Trekkie. I was a guy who was trying to promote my community who was really into Star Trek. And I say that I was really into Star Trek until I met people later on who were really into Star Trek. I was I was pale by comparison. There was nothing I could come close yeah. with some of the people who are so involved with that and, and enjoy that as part of their life stream. To me, it was something, a way of promoting my community, doing something that I enjoyed. Star Trek was a recurring theme in my life, and I really had enjoyed the program all the way through from my senior year high school when it debuted till it went off the air. When Shatner came to town, several people ended up with thousands of dollars for being the good people they were and taking the brunt of the jokes. I ended up out a couple hundred bucks in cigars. <laughs> I took my cigars down there and I smoked good cigars. I took my cigars down there and people on the cast were, oh, you got a cigar? And so, oh, well, sure. Or people in the, the, the cameramen were great. All of them were professionals and all of them were doing things that they knew were completely wrong. You know, how you do a shot. But we sat around and spoke some cigars and everybody enjoyed my cigars happy happy to present them but they, they came to the town because it was an idea that i had but i ended up out a couple hundred bucks with the cigars and every, every, other people got money on the other hand i do convince people to buy me a beer occasionally murphy always gave me grief about the star trek thing and then he had to point out that captain kirk is going to be conceived in underneath his pool table <laughs> are you planning on having anything on your gravestone about this idea Every January, my wife and I sit down and rewrite our obituaries. So, something you do when you get in your 70s because you don't want anybody else writing. I occasionally uh, include that I was the one who came up with Riverside being the future birthplace of Captain Kirk. She she tries to spend her time editing out the funny that I put into my obituary. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if it will make it in my obituary. It probably will not be on my gravestone, though it would be nice if there was a, a shadow of the Enterprise, maybe. I'll have to think about that. Over the years, and there have been many of them, I've known people in various walks of life different things I've done. And when it comes out that I came up with the future birthplace of Captain Kirk, there's a certain, I, I guess, surprise, shock, uh, stunned awe, because, you know, it's not something you'd think of, somebody would think of every day. I enjoy the fact that it's been successful. Had I been sued into poverty like Paramount, which at the time wouldn't have been a noticeable difference from our lifestyle to begin with. <laughs> but uh, that it would have been a, a, a sadder turn of events. I was one of my, my best friends, an attorney, and I talked to him long into this, and he was a big supporter of this all along. I always asked him about representing me, and he'd say, yeah, I, I'm not sure you can afford that. I said, well, I wasn't planning on paying you. But we had talked about this. How can you look at this? this? This poor community and this poor guy being sued by this mammoth studio. Who would look at it? Who would look at it with anything but, oh, this poor people, and yeah, might, might be able to make that work. But Paramount, I don't want to disparage them. To their credit, they, they came around, accepted us, and uh, allowed us to continue on doing what we've been doing. Steve, it seems like the movie that should get made is a movie about this story. <laughs> if you guys had the money to produce such a movie, would you be sitting there with those microphones in front of you? <laughs> I I tell you, as we've all seen movies, there are a lot dumber ideas out there than that. So that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that did not occur to me. Some aviator had done something heroic, and they were interviewing him and his wife. And his wife said, oh, yes, they should make a movie. And I'll play myself, and Brad Pitt should play you. That would be my wife's response, you know. <laughs> well, who would you want to play you in that movie? <laughs> yeah, who would play me? 
Who would play you guys? You guys would be, you know, this, this would be a scene from the movie. I occasionally write up events that happen in my life for my kids to laugh at. That's an idea that had not ever, ever come to my forefront, and then uh, it'd be fun. It would be fun. Well, I think uh, Tom Hanks would be a good choice for you. <laughs> yes. Well, now that he's now that he's old. Yes, that would. Tom Hanks. It's turned out so well. And this, the, 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 like I said, the recurring thing of Star Trek, the thing you guys are doing, the thing so many people are doing, it's just, it's just mind boggling that it continues on, continues on and grows. Dana, that was a fascinating interview. I, I really had a great time talking with Steve Miller. I hope that maybe he'll want to be on the podcast again in the future. For our first interview, Dan, I don't think we could have picked a better person. Very easy to talk to, uh, very easy going type of person you could sit down and talk to all night. I, I, we could have literally carried on that interview for a, a couple of more hours. It'd be great to sit down with him in person over a beer at Murphy's that he mentioned in the podcast. I want to see that plaque in person, Dana, that talks about where oh, James yeah. D. Kirk was conceived. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. So do you think... and? Twenty two eighty three is it? Twenty two thirty three. Twenty two eighty eight. Twenty two twenty eight. In the future, <laughs> that time when uh, about the time when Kirk should be conceived. Do you think that that area is going to be overrun with people trying to have sex on the pool table there? I I have no doubt that's the case. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to have to sell tickets. Well, you know, we could have our bodies frozen and reanimated in the future. And then we could continue this, the podcast. Yeah, we'll do live. Uh, we'll do live podcasts from Murphy's <laughs> on the night that he's conceived. Because <laughs> you know Murphy's is still going to be there. I mean, it would be and tasteful, he, Dana. Knowing us, it would be yeah. very tasteful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you said knowing us? Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe not knowing us, it would be. <laughs> People might consider it tasteful. Dana, this interview with Steve Miller is great. I had a great time. But what do we have coming up next week? Yeah, another person from Riverside, Iowa, Travis Riggin, who is the chairman of the TrekFest committee. Yeah, and we'll give all the details next week about when TrekFest is this year and some of the special events going on at TrekFest. Uh, you're going to hear it here first. Yeah, and Travis right now can't tell us who the uh, special Star Trek guest is this year, but he uh, did promise to let us know. And as soon as we find out, we'll let everybody else find out. Yeah, that's right. Well, once again, Dana, I had a great time with this interview. I hope people enjoyed it. And I look forward to next week. Dan, this was a blast. I Again, thank you, Steve Miller. Great person for our first interview. Can't wait to hear what our fans think of his story. So thanks again, Dan, for always getting together and talking Star Trek with me. Yep, you bet. And I will see you next week. Okay. Until then, live long and prosper. Thanks once again for listening to Dammit Jim, the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at dammitjimpodcast.com at gmail.com or join the discussion on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Make sure to join Dan and Dana next week for another special interview with Travis Riggin, the chairman of the TrekFest committee in Riverside, Iowa. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week and remember to live long and prosper. Prosper.